Welcome to Self Care You Podcast. I'm your host, Sharon, the number one self care giver in the world. This podcast is the intersection of self care advocacy and compassion for self care givers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And so, this week's episode is Financial Principles and Mental Health. We will talk all about this with Malcolm Rose and myself. So listen, listen, listen. We have Malcolm Rose Jr. and he's um, a financial planner and he's going to talk about foundational financial principles. It's linked to financial and mental wellness. And so welcome, 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 Malcolm. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I was there. How are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Definitely looking forward to this uh, conversation. Uh, I guess let's just start by you just telling us a little bit about yourself, especially in the financial world. Um, well, as you said, I am a uh, financial planner um, here in the Charlotte area. Um, I've been in the world of finance um, for about 15 years now in different capacities. Um, the last five being in the uh, financial planning role. And I think many times um, when people hear that term financial planner, they immediately um, go to, um, you know, having to have a lot of money, whatever that means to that in, that particular individual. Um, and I kind of stumbled into um, this particular career path, um, I used to work for a subprime lending company that will rena- remain nameless today. But uh, we lent our consumers, our clients money for uh, mortgages. We uh, did auto loans, personal loans, uh, but our interest rates were on the high side, um, not on the high side, they were high. Um, and working there for, you know, 10 plus years and running branches. And, um, it, it really gave me an opportunity to see, um, the, uh, um, the disconnect between financial literacy and, and how consumers kind of, kind of, uh, act. So I wanted to, join the proactive side of things as opposed to the reactive side. Usually when somebody walked into my office, they were reacting to something that had occurred. Um, so I wanted to join the proactive side and, and assist with the planning aspect. Little did I know that um, it would lead me down this road in regards to the eight dimensions of wellness and how um, our emotions affect our spending, affect the way we view money. Um, and, and that really has uh, lit a different kind of fire um, for me um, in regards to speaking with people about foundational planning. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk to anybody today about you know, how to get rich or what the next greatest investment is. Um, I look at financial wellness, it's like building a house. Uh, You have to have 
the first thing that, that's usually laid when building a house is the foundation. And if that foundation is off, if that foundation has cracks in it, um, if that foundation is not level, um, at some point in time, you're gonna have some problems with that house. So I just want to uh, kind of talk today about building a good financial foundation and, and we'll mix in a bit of um, how financial wellness and mental health is, is kind of tied together, especially from the, the male perspective, since this is self-care for black men, so. Yeah, yeah. I like the fact that you said that you were able to recognize, you know, that people was coming in in a reactive, I guess you say, mentality. And then mm -hmm. you started to pretty much take a stance on a proactive, you know, mentality. And that is so, so true because it's almost like when it comes to the American dream, you know, like how to get rich. And there's this big thing about happiness and having money. And one, one thing I want to say is one of my observations has been for those who made it financially, you know, like with the movie stars and entertainers and people of such, the message that I'm getting from them, they're like, you know, we thought we were going to be happy, but we're not as happy as we thought that we were going to be. And that mm -hmm. kind of back to, I guess you say, the emotional side of us. And yes, you can buy us big houses and everything, but it doesn't lead to happiness. You know, yeah. I think that's, you know, again, I, I really like that being proactive, you know, when it comes to that as well. Yeah, um, you know, we as as human beings are in this life, we know that certain things are going to happen, and and um, but there are a lot of times that we we just do not prepare for those things. Um, I use an, an analogy. I'm gonna date myself a little bit here, but Wiley Coyote was always chasing the Roadrunner, right? And there's this one particular, um, one particular scene that I can remember is Wiley Coyote. He's so focused on the Roadrunner. He's on some railroad tracks, and there's a train coming down, and it's got TNT in it. And Wiley Coyote can see that the train is coming, but he's so fixated on the Roadrunner. And the train hits Wiley Coyote, blows up. Um, so that analogy you know that the big house or the car or the 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 whatever it is that you know uh, individuals have a yearning for um is the road runner but there are so many things that are coming down the railroad tracks that we know are going to happen and a lot of times we just do not get off the track we continue to do the same things um uh, over and over again, and, and that train's going to keep coming. So um, it's a mindset. It's a it's a um, it's different. It's small habits, um, and and it and it starts it starts really with organization. 
if that was the the one thing um, I would say in regards to foundational financial wellness is is organizing yourself. So I know when I was younger, you know, we had bill collectors who would call and you know my my grandparents and my parents uh their their mode of dealing with bill collectors was evade it was you know it was um you know they were they were not answer the phone they would not um uh say that they would say that you know they weren't at home and there would be the person that they're asking for all types of things and that that type of action when it's seen by others it that it trickles down so now when i was younger when i had you know bills that was my that was my mo i was evading uh, but that's that's probably not the right approach and that's an emotion that you feel because you have not you have you can't pay us a particular bill that does not it's not a good feeling so organizing is one of the biggest things you can do foundationally for your, your financial wellness. And that organizing can mean getting all the mail that you have and opening all your mail. So whether it's from uh, a company who's saying that you owe them money, whether it's a company just trying to give you money, whether it's a solicitation, but open your mail. Um, we're in a digital age so when those emails come with those statements or emails come you know with your bank statements and things of that nature take a look at them take a look at those you know those bank statements because i like to tell all of my clients that they are a business and and as sharon brown enterprises you want to know what the bottom line is all businesses want to profit. And I, I could guarantee you that every successful business owner knows where every one of their dollars goes. I can also guarantee you that most of us do not know where all of our dollars go. And that's part of organizing. Um, with, with, without knowing where your money is going, it is hard to make a decision about money without knowing where your your funds are going. Um, people always like to use like a coffee example. Someone who, you know, goes to Starbucks and well, we, we, we don't understand how much money we spend on certain things unless we actually take a look at it. And we might see some things that we like and we might see some things that we don't like. But the point of that exercise is to actually know where your money is going so we're going to open our mail we're going to open our emails and we're also going to ensure we know where our money is going and the next thing is it's like it's like a curse word when you say it to people but you need a budget I like to call it a spending plan because we like to spend money. So you need to create a spending plan. So what does the spending plan do? Once again, you're a business, right? So every business has, they know how much they're going to spend on their product, on their marketing, on their 
um, advertising, on their payroll, you should know the same things, how much you're going to spend on your, your needs. So let's talk about, let, let me back up for a second, because we, we have to make a discernment between what the need is and a want is. Because the difference in how we operate with our money is when people put a want where they believe into the need bucket. So we need food, we need clothing, we need shelter. I'll say I'll, we'll need transportation and we need a way to communicate. So we'll, we'll say we have the, those are basic needs, food, shelter, clothing, transportation, and communication. After that, everything else is a want. And when you, when you, when you adopt said mindset and, and start to understand that your needs are met. So when your needs are met, you're, you're blessed at that point because your needs are met. You have a roof over your head. You have food to eat. You, you can get back and forth to work. You have clothes to wear and you can communicate with the people who you need to communicate with. That's the blessing. Everything after that is a one. Everything. And that is where the disconnect a lot of times happens. I need a new pair of shoes. Do you? Because just, just think about when you go shopping or when you shop, however it is that you shop online, go to the store. The word need comes out of your mouth way more than the word want does. I need a new dress. I need a new suit. I need a new tie. I need. You don't. So when we start to discern between needs and wants, that starts to change kind of the mindset around money. Because money is a tool. We put so much emphasis on it, but it's, it, is a, it is a tool that you use you, you, you essentially um, trade that tool for goods and services. That's all it is. But we put so much, so much of an importance on that tool that we forget about the blessing that we have, that we have those, our, our needs met. Got a little off track there, my apologies, but. I mean, that's really good information because, you know, it can, it really, at least I hope it takes everyone back to basics because like you said, there's a difference between needs and wants. And when you were talking, it kind of reminds me like when people are weighing what they think that they need, because like you said, they use that need a lot. And then, you know, like with our society, not everybody, but a lot of people sometimes want to be like the Joneses. And then even, let's say, even when people buy their house, their car, their phone, are they, I'm not saying be basic, but do you go beyond what you can really afford? Because what I've seen too, um, and especially for people who have children, I have seen where there's this sense of shame and guilt 
like if you're not able to afford something, but you can afford mm -hmm. it within your means, mm -hmm. you know, not someone else's means. And so, so, and I've also seen where people, because when you're talking about emotions, that, well, I don't want my child to feel the way that I felt, that I could afford this, you know, or something to that effect. And it, and, and it really does, you know, can, can mess with people when it comes to that. So you're right, the mindset, wow, it's just, can be very powerful. Yeah, it's um even even you know even in our in our needs we 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 confuse it with wants. You know, let's let's say the grocery store, you're in the grocery store and you need some ice cream. No, you probably don't. <laughs> or you need some potato chips or you need some pop or soda as, as you say. I mean, so it, it is really um it's really about, you know, like I said, a lot of this is is a mindset, a lot of and and delayed gratification. Um, delaying gratification is one of the most um, it's it's one of the the most basic, we'll use the term wealth building tenets. Uh, you know, we 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 like to think that people become wealthy overnight or in a very short period of time. And, and unfortunately, in our day and age of social media and being able to see someone's highlights, it may appear that someone became successful in a very quick amount of time. Um, but we don't know their situation. We don't know what they sacrificed. We don't know uh, how, how many nights they stayed up to learn a skill or whatever the case may be. And to your point, you mentioned the keeping up with the Joneses. I think at this point, we're trying, we're, we're, we're trying to keep up with ourselves. It, it is, it's not even the Joneses anymore because who, who, are, who are the Joneses? We're, we are now at a point where we feel like we should have A, B, or C just because, and we're trying to keep up with an image as opposed to actually practicing sound principles. Um, so I, I tell one of the things I, I tell, especially my younger clients that I talk to, I tell them to close their eyes, not literally, but in a figurative way because you know, I could have a house and my next door neighbor puts a new roof on his house. I'm immediately going to feel like I need a new roof. It's just human nature. I may not need a new roof, but I'm going to feel that way. Or my neighbor to my left gets a new car. I'm going to feel like I need a new car. But I probably don't. And that's just the nature of, of it's, it's human nature to, you know, uh, somebody's has a nice yard so now you want your yard nice and or you know and once again we don't know the circumstances of anyone anyone else's financial situation somebody could have bought that car on a credit card for all i know with a 19 percent interest rate that's not what i want in my life but i see the result and then i'm attracted to the shiny new toy which depreciates 
by 30% five minutes after you drive it off the lot. But um, going back to, once again, I'm sorry, I got a little bit off, going back to get, getting organized. So get organized and get yourself a spending plan. So knowing where your money is going and developing a spending plan. And there are plenty of resources that can help you. Um, I like YNAB, um, You Need a Budget. Um, it is an app. Um, it is a, it's very user-friendly. Um, and there, there are several others, Mint. You can have a budget inside of Mint. If you're if you're old school, you can use an Excel spreadsheet or write it down. Whatever whatever works, but knowing where your money is going is paramount in in, in financial wellness. Now, so as you're building out this foundation, saving, saving and investing is a very important aspect of financial wellness. And, and, and let me just, uh, saving is actually a sign of hope. There's an emotion connected to saving because you're saving for something in the future. So that that is an actual signal of hope. I, I want to go on a trip in 2022, the summer of 2022, let me save let me see how much it's going to cost. Let me put this amount of money aside each month so I don't have to finance this trip with a credit card or with a loan. I'm saving for something in the future. And that gives me, that gives hope. Now the investing side, many people look at investing as a luxury. And I'm here to tell you investing is an absolute necessity and and here's why you may have heard you've heard the term inflation you might have heard consumer price index but i i in the word inflation and you also know that if you put your money in a bank or if you didn't know i'll tell you if you put your money in a bank your money's not going to gain any interest it does not it does not work for you at all inflation for the past 20 years or so has been about two percent and it's now rising so if the cost of goods are going up two percent every year but your money isn't growing at all then your money becomes less valuable as time goes on. And that 2% continue. And if you're looking at things like healthcare or education, that inflation rate is even higher. So the goal would be to have your money grow more than the inflation rate. And that's why investing is not a luxury. It is a necessity. Now, investing comes with some prerequisites, I'll say, because you got to lay the foundation, right? So if I have 
high interest credit cards. You probably shouldn't be investing. Because if my interest rate on my credit card is 19% and my investment is giving me seven, it doesn't make sense. But if I pay off that credit card, I've immediately given myself a 19% raise. That interest is simply the cost of borrowing money. We can use the word interest, but when you think about it as a cost that every dollar I borrow, I have to give you back 20 cent. It sounds a little different. So we've gotten organized. We've started a spending plan. So we're laying a foundation and we're trying to understand some things. So if we're employed, if you are employed and you have an employer that has an employee-sponsored retirement program, a 401k, put the mat if your employer matches 5%, put the 5% into your 401k. Because that other 5% is free. It's free money. Same thing, if it's 6% or 3%, whatever the case may be, whatever, take the free money. And, and that 401k is for when you no longer have to trade your time for dollars. We use the term retirement a lot, and we think of retirement as an age. Retirement is not an age. Retirement is an actual number. It is a number. It is 2 million, it's 3 million, it's 1.5 million. It is not an age. If you're 40 years old and you have $10 million, you can no longer trade your time for dollars. We say we retire early and that verbiage is what make it 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 it, it throws us off because we've been doctrinized and indoctrinated to think we work until we can get social security but we also have to understand that even even if even if we, we work that long we, it's still a, it's still a number you still have to have enough money to have your needs met and whatever wants you, you 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 desire while no longer working. And many times those wants might be more extravagant than when you were working. But I'm a I'm a back up just a little bit. Employee benefits, protections, health insurance, homeowners insurance. If you're a homeowner. Renters insurance, if you're not a homeowner, and some may say, why, why renters insurance? Well, I used the house analogy uh, in the beginning. So you have a foundation, you have your walls, you have your roof. The homeowner has homeowners insurance. And if something happened, if there's a fire, whatever the case may be, that homeowner is covered. Those possessions that you have on the inside of that home are not covered by that homeowner's policy. So you, as a renter, 
have to take on that liability. So renter's insurance is, is definitely um, something to uh, obtain if not a homeowner. Having the correct homeowner's insurance. So we're in a housing market right now where housing prices or housing appraisals are, um, they're, they're going pretty high. Um, to say the least, the real estate market is is very um, fruitful right now. But let's say you bought your house 10 years ago and your homeowner's insurance said that they would replace your house at $250,000. But now your house appraises at $450,000. Wow. When was the last time you looked at your homeowner's insurance policy? Mm. Because if something happens, the insurance company is not going to say, oh, we're going to give you the 450. No, they're going to give you 250. And the other 200, if you wanted to replace that home in that same place, you would have to come up with that. So reviewing your insurances on an annual basis, your homeowner's policy, your auto policy, your insurance, your health insurance through work, your short-term and long-term disability, uh, something that's not really talked about. Normally, if your short-term and long-term disability is paid for by the company that you work for, it's usually about 60% of your salary, not including any bonuses, not including any commissions. So if you work in a position where you have a base salary and you also get bonuses and or commissions, your short-term or long-term disability policy is normally based on that base salary. And it's 60% of the base salary. Now here's the kicker. If the company pays for it, that 60% is taxed. So it's not really 60% anymore. So you have to ask yourself, as you're developing financial plans, what train could come down this track and knock me off my and knock me off the railroad tracks? If a an ailment, a medical ailment, or something of that nature is one of those things, thinking about the disability policy, the short-term and or long-term disability policy that you have at your employer, at your job, you might, 60% may no longer give you the needs that you have. You might not be able to afford the needs anymore if 60% of your income is all you get for that, that period. Usually short-term disability gives you about six months and long-term disability. Most times with employers, uh, they'll do two years, maybe five, so can you go that long with 60% of your income or less? And I know, as I said that, as you're watching this, everyone said, nothing's going to happen to me. That's what everyone thought. Nothing's going to happen to me. And you might be right. But what if you're not? These are all 
foundational principles. If you have a family, you have a child, and something happens to you and, and your income is the engine that makes that household run or is at least a, a part, a large part of that engine that makes the household run, it should be protected. It should be protected. Now, protection is like the roof of the house, right? Because you've got a good foundation, you're starting to build a foundation, you 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 are opening your 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 bills and you're talking to, to creditors and you have a plan to pay down your debt, you know where your money's going, you have a spending plan, you've reviewed your insurances. You've, you've, you've come to the understanding that 60% of, of your income minus the taxes is not enough. So you've made the decision to get a private long-term disability policy that you can take with you wherever you go. It's not attached to your job. So you're starting to put your roof on your house. And then you start thinking about mortality you start thinking about, well, if my disability policy wasn't enough, what my life insurance policy through work might not be enough. And in many cases, life insurance through employers is maybe one to two times of your income. And so I look at that as, or I frame that as once again, with two years of your income, what happens after year two? What happens to that home that you own? Or what happens to, does your child have to go to a different school? Does your husband or wife have to remarry? Not because, you know, so you also look at, look at that and, and, and think, well, maybe I should attain some some additional life insurance because that once again protects everything inside of those four walls. And we've been once again indoctrinated in to believe that life insurance is just about burial and it is about much more than that. Um, we actually, you know, were locked out of life insurance for quite some time because. Uh, some studies said that that black folks wouldn't live long anyway so we weren't allowed to get large life insurance policies it's just another systemic issue that we've had to to work through but we couldn't get you know a hundred thousand dollars we can get a thousand we can get five maybe ten but those days are no longer and adding that 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 roof onto the home is another foundational piece when it comes to wellness because the best laid plans the best laid financial plan can be deterred by a premature death outliving your money or getting sick or hurt along the way those three things 
or a variation of those three things will kill the best laid financial plan. So we've got a roof. We've protected the foundation and the four walls. So now we can have some fun. Now we can look at having our money work for us. We work hard for our money. So it is time to have our money work for us. And when I say that, I mean investing. Um, you're already investing inside of your company plan. That's great. But there are some limitations in every company plan. So a self-directed either brokerage account or retirement fund is, is, is paramount in, in, a, in, in financial wellness, whether it's investing in stocks, mutual funds, exchange traded funds, index funds, and I can go down a wormhole with each of those, but I'm just trying to give a general overview. Even if you are interested in some of the non-traditional investments, my theory is you learn it and understand it or hire somebody who does and operate that. I'm, I'm never going to say that A is better than B because they both can, what matters is you, is you get to your desired result. What happens in between A and, you know, point A and point B is, is, is moot as long as you reach your desired goal. So are stocks better than mutual funds? Mutual funds give you some diversification, but hey, if you pick the right stocks, stocks can be can give you a better return. Is Forex better than stocks? If you understand international markets and are, are willing to, you know, to go that route, then yes, Forex can be better than stocks. Are REITs, real estate investment trusts better than exchange traded funds? They all can accomplish what you want them to, depending upon your goals. And as I said before, investing is a necessity. So as you are operating and understanding where your money is going and you're able to, to maybe sacrifice something to put aside for that savings and investing bucket, I implore everyone to do so. Yeah, most definitely. This is um, some really good information. And when you were talking about um, saving and investment, um, when it came to investment, I just kind of call it assets. One thing that I realized within myself, and this was probably maybe now a year, probably maybe two years ago, that I came to the realization it's like, I've been focusing so much of keeping keeping myself out of debt, but then not having any focus really on assets. It's like I did when I was younger, but then, you know, life happens and get off track and things like that, but I never got that focus. But it is so important, you know, to 
be intentional because like for everything that you're talking about thus far you know it really reminds me to be honest the pillars of self-care which is you know self-awareness know that self so that's kind of like investing in yourself investing in knowledge and learning about you know money and learn about how things work because even if at least i'm a firm believer is that even if you invest and you have a broker, you still need to know something. You know what I mean? You just can't, you know, give it to someone else and just think, you know, you just need to at least know, at least learn, you know, and then that other piece of, you know, where people are making emotional decisions and that is where, you know, we often kind of sit in salads and really to have clarity of what we're doing. You know, and then, of course, it's that deep rest, and that deep rest is sometimes is allowing the money <laughs> to grow. You know, it's to be patient and then move into action, meaning we need to do something, you know, in order to have financial, you know, um, abundance. And then, you know, and part of that is the things that you've already talked about, you know, organizing, you know, having a plan. You know, looking at, you know, where you're spending your money and learning and things like that. And so you're right, you know, when it comes to financial planning, there's that parallel to it when it comes to mental wellness. It Mental wellness, uh, physical wellness, it, it's all parallel. It's it's so the, 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 the same compounding effect that you get from investing is the same compounding effect that you get from practicing mental wellness and the same compounding effect that you get from repeated physical, you know, physical activity. Um, and it all starts with small changes, uh, whether, you know, that is not buying something or whether that is redirecting that monetary asset into something that's going to gain interest as opposed to, to, uh, to, you know, to that you're just spending money on. I was uh I was talking to a friend, and uh, we were discussing Louis Vuitton. So, the stock for Louis Vuitton in Moet and Hennessy (LVMH). I haven't looked at it today, but when I think when we were talking, it was about one hundred and forty-two dollars a share, somewhere around there. So my question was to him was, how much does a Louis Vuitton belt cost? So the product, the actual product, costs more than to become part owner of the company. Mm. And, and that is where that need and want kind of, you know, do you need a belt? Maybe you need a belt. Do you need an $800 belt? Maybe not. Um, and it, it's just, you know, ownership. Um, and, and when we talk about ownership, it's usually in the in the vein of, of home ownership. We usually are talking about owning a home or owning land or a, a real asset. But investing, whether you do it through a, a employee-sponsored retirement program, 401k, 403b, 457, 401a, or you have a brokerage account, or you have a Robinhood app, 
and you're buying stock that way. What I want to understand is when you buy a share of a company, you own part of that company. You don't own a stock, you own part of said company. And that in itself is a powerful statement. We can't just diminish the fact that you own Nike or that you own Foot Locker or you own uh, Moderna or you own Pfizer. And that is a form of ownership. Most, most of the wealth from non-African-Americans has been created in the stock market. Now, on the flip side, our, our wealth seems to be uh, more in, in, in the real estate arena. And once again, nothing wrong with that. But ownership is, is important. Having, having something that can appreciate over time as opposed to de depreciate um, is very important. Um, one thing that I, one simple calculation that I think everyone should know is the rule of 72. The rule of 72, it is not, it is not an exact science, but it will tell you how long it will take an amount of money to double depending on its return. So for example, I have, let's say I have $25,000 invested. My return is 8% annually. So I can estimate if I take 72 and I divide it by eight, that in nine years, that 25,000 turns into 50,000. So let's, Let's kind, of, let's kind of roll that into when we think about retirement as a number. Or let's just say if someone says, I want a million dollars. Okay. How long will it take you to get there? So now if I know I'm getting 8% annually, it's going to take nine years to get 50,000. So it's going to take 18 years to get to 100. It'll take 27 years to get to 200. 36 years to get to 400. And then 45 years to get to 800. So to all my young people, right? Time, it takes time. Start as early as possible. And to all my not so young people, start right now. There is, it's not too late. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times these are conversations that we've, we've never had, things that we've never talked about. Um, you know, we, we usually learn the worst financial habits from our family and friends. And then, you know, we, we take those with us until we, we learn from another individual. We, we are now able to get the information from uh, the internet. I will say, you know, uh, be careful of who you listen to on the internet. Um, 
you know, some people are, uh, um, you know, whatever. But it's not too late, too late, to, late to, to start. Um, but for any young person who's listening, um, there's a graphic of, you know, a, a 20 year old puts away $100 a month for 10 years. So that's $1,200 a year times 10. He puts away $12,000. And now he's 30. He tells his friend to do the same thing while he's 20. And his friend says, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. So now the, at 30 years old, the friend that didn't start putting the hundred dollars away sees how, how much his friend's money has grown in those 10 years. So he starts putting a hundred dollars away at age 30. But the original friend, he never puts any more money into his brokerage account. And his friend will never catch his, he will never catch his account. Mm. Never, because his interest is generating enough money, is generating more than $100 a month. So the individual putting in 100 at the age of 30 will never catch the guy who started at 20. So these are just things that you have to keep in mind. Um, you have to have patience. It takes time. Um, and and yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just about to say is that that's definitely is one way of looking at it is investing in yourself, investing in yourself early. You know, sometimes some people want to frame it as making a sacrifice. And even though you can frame it that way too, but sometimes when you use the word, you know, sacrifices kind of have like a negative connotation when you're looking at your investing in your future. And especially when someone has, you know, that um, example, it's like, what, I can save for 10 years and don't have to save no more now unless I want to? You know, I mean, that is pretty awesome. Most definitely. But you have definitely given us, you know, um, some valuable, valuable um, information. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us? Because, again, you've given us a foundation for our financial house. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think just, you know, anything, anything else would be uh, almost because I'm doing a very, a very kind of broad overview and everybody's situation um, is different. Um, so I will say this, that asking, there's no shame in asking for help. There is no shame in, in speaking to um, a financial advisor, a life insurance agent, uh, an accountant, um, any of these individuals to assist you on the, on, on, on your journey. Um, many times we are so busy with our lives. You know, we, we, at the beginning of, of this, of this meeting, we took a minute to breathe. 
And as Sharon said, to some, that probably felt like an hour. Because mm -hmm. we're always moving. And although we're always moving and we're 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 trying our best to to create the life that we want sometimes in order to create that life it 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 involves taking a step back it involves asking for some assistance it involves breathing it involves before you make a financial decision to 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 count to 20 it involves meditating about a decision that you're going to make. So with that, I just, you know, don't be afraid to ask. There, there's, there are a lot of financial professionals who um, have or just want to help individuals um, in their situations. Like I said, when people hear the term financial planner or financial advisor, they automatically believe they have to have attained some certain level of, of financial wealth. And that is not the case. So um, if you are having trouble getting organized or having trouble with a spending plan or having trouble understanding your benefits package um, at work, or whatever the case may be, reach out to someone, reach out to someone you trust, reach out to a financial professional, reach out to an accountant, reach out to, to someone um, and ask for assistance because I didn't touch on this much, but um, financial wellness is one of the eight dimensions of wellness, especially as a man, we sometimes attach our own, our masculinity and our worth to our ability to provide. We attach it to our income. We attach it to the things that we have or what we can do. So there are several studies that have linked financial wellness or the lack thereof to stress and anxiety and sleep disorders. And, and, and if you already have any type of, of uh, any type of mental, things going on, that lack of financial wellness just makes it worse. So um, I just, you know, in that respect, it is no shame in asking for help. Definitely no shame, because again, people have, you know, study the information out there. And that's why, you know, they're the expert, you know, when it comes to that. And so if someone wants to get in touch with you, Malcolm, how can they reach you? Good question. So um, I am on Instagram as legacy underscore of underscore wealth. Somebody took my name. So L-E-G-A-C-Y underscore O-F underscore W-E-A-L-T-H. Um, you can call me, my number at my office, 704-421-7873. You can email me. I don't want to give all my stuff. I have a first name, M-A-L-C-O-L-M dot Rose, R-O-S-E, at Prudential, P-R-U-D-E-N-T-I-A-L dot com. 
either one of those um, methods, uh, reach out to me, ask any any question. I, I, I'm, I'm never gonna turn down a conversation. I'm never gonna not answer a question. Um, I feel like um, I was put into this position to, um, to help people. And that's exactly what I do in any way that I can. And if I can't help you, if I don't know the answer, I'm gonna go find it or I'm gonna refer you to somebody who can. Well, definitely we appreciate you giving us all of this wealth of information, you know, something to really not just think about, but really to start implementing because the thing is part of organizing is putting things together and to be able to practice it out in real life. So again, we do, um, do appreciate you. Since you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe to Self Care You podcast on Anchor or Spotify. You can also find us on YouTube at Sharon D. Brown Self Care Authority. For updates on self care workshops, training, and conferences, visit us at www.ourfirmholisticnetwork.net, and that's holistic with the W. Follow Sharon on Instagram at I am Sharon D. Brown. Thank you, and I'll see you on the next episode. Stay informed, advocate, and be a compassionate self-care giver.